Welcome to the Financial Cafe is aired every Saturday at 9 a.m. on 88.7 WSIE. Today's show is underwritten by The Chef Shop, your hometown kitchen accessory store, where a good cup of coffee starts every day outright. The views expressed on the Financial Cafe are those of the hosts and do not represent the views of Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, the SIU Board of Trustees, or WSIE Radio. Hello, folks. Welcome to the first show of the Financial Cafe, blending common sense financial information with good coffee. Our goal during the next half hour or so is to educate our audience on relevant financial topics and to discuss some of the better local coffee brews or just some of our favorite retail brands. My name is Larry Lexo. My partner is John Graney. We both had extensive financial industry experience of over 20 years and want to share those experiences with you. The show needs to be interactive, so please grab a cup of coffee, your electronic device, and you can reach us at jgraney at nickelfinancial.com. That's J-G-R-A-N-E-Y at N-I-C-O-L financial.com. Send us questions on current topics or potentially some questions we can reach on future shows. They don't necessarily have to be on topic we're discussing, but it would be help us to keep it on point if they were. You see, we both suffer a bit of tangent disease, where either one of us at any moment can get lost on a good tangent and forget the main topic of discussion, as has happened before. John and I are both passionate about helping others with their finances and planning for retirement. We both really like coffee, so that explains the format for the show. Today, our topic of discussion involves choosing and working with the right financial advisor. We're going to cover several items to consider when evaluating a financial advisor. And also, more importantly, the coffee of the day for today is the Chef Shop Blend. It's a good one. We'll talk more later. Say that one fast ten times. Before we start going through uh, the items on evaluating a financial advisor, you need to understand that there are essentially two types of advisors. The first one is a broker, and the second one is a registered investment advisor. Uh, The way that these two types of advisors are different, the broker is compensated through commissions, and typically they are held to a standard of what's called suitability. A registered investment advisor is held to what is in the client's best interest, and they are typically compensated uh, with fees paid directly out of the account. So... When you're evaluating your advisor, you you don't necessarily have to worry about how they're compensated, but you need to know and need to calculate exactly how much they're being paid because at the end of the day, those fees are coming out of your pocket and will have an impact on the success of your retirement plan. It's your money, so know how it's being spent. Most advisors, brokers, or RIAs are in this business because they like to help people. It's the nature of what we do, but as with any profession, a few bad apples and different ways of being compensated this does require understanding those differences and should be part of the evaluation process. As we mentioned, we'll address these two items on future shows. So what do we need to consider and what tools are at our disposal to evaluate a potential financial advisor? Remember, this is a relationship. You're sharing and trusting your financial well-being with an individual or team. So what's the first thing we want to look at, John? Right off the top, I come up with gut check. Uh, you got to go with your instinct. If you go into the advisor's office, you're meeting with them, and you're not comfortable, you don't have a good feeling, you need to be wary and may want to consider a different advisor. 
If you shake hands and you're looking down to make sure your rings are still there, uh, that's a good sign that you probably want to be working with someone else. The gut check should be both for you and if you're married, your spouse, your significant other. Uh, if you're the male, more than likely you will pass away first based on mortality tables. So you want to make sure that your your wife, your, your spouse, is comfortable with that advisor because, again, this is a relationship. As Larry mentioned, uh, it could go on for 10, 15, 20 years. You want to make sure that you're working with someone and you're able to say, this is my trusted advisor. So gut check, that's got to be – I mean, that's an easy one to come right off and use. I agree. Everybody gets an initial feeling. It's that, you know, the, the, you can't make a uh, initial uh, uh, reaction twice. So how do you feel about the person you're working with, where they are, how available they are? What is it that uh, makes you comfortable or not comfortable with them? I think that's that's a and real key. If the to advisor the has any any credibility, if they're not comfortable working with you, I have turned away uh, potential clients because I knew I wasn't the right advisor for them. I don't believe in you know market timing and actively trading, whereas I'm more of a asset allocation buy hold. And if your personality is you want an active trader, then you need to be working with someone else, not me, and vice versa. So it's a two-way street there. It's not just your your assessment. I mean, if the advisor is going to be good, they should say, you know what, I'm not the right person for you. However, I have this person in mind that you should talk to. Yeah, excellent point. One of the other things to take a look at in any planning process, there's been studies done over the years. I think the first one was back in 1950 or so about uh, how to be successful in any decision or any plan that you have in place, whether it's planning a vacation, planning for a new job, or planning your financial future and retirement. The planning process really is five steps. And if you follow that process, you will have over a 90% chance of reaching your, your outcome, your goals that you have set in place. The first step is you do have to have a plan, and it has to be in writing. It's not something existential that is just out there you're thinking about, but put it down in writing. And any good financial planner will, that will be the first step to help you do that in the process. You have to have specific time frames. I want to retire when I'm 66. That's my Social Security full retirement age. So let's plan for that goal. You have to have milestones. I want to retire with a million dollars or two million dollars, whatever it happens to be. You have to have a way of, of gauging your success in reaching that goal and what it's going to take to get there. So once you have a written plan, you have specific time frames and objectives, you have to implement the plan. I can't tell you how many people that I've met with, I ask, have you, do you have a financial plan? They go, oh, yeah, we did that 10 years ago. Where is it? Well, it's still up on the shelf, you know, because they never implemented the plan. So they might not have uh, bothered to waste the time to put it together. You have to implement the plan. And the last and one of the more important steps is you have to continually evaluate the plan, see where you're at, make adjustments along the way. An experienced advisor will be well aware of all of those steps and will help you to participate in uh, the planning process. It's not their job to tell you what to do. It's their job to help analyze where your current situation is and what it's going to take to get you to reach your goals and objectives. And it's also their job to tell you if your objectives are unrealistic. You know, if I have the individual coming in, they're 55 years old, they have not saved anything for retirement, and they want to retire at age 60, 
then I'm probably not their advisor because I'm going to have bad news for them. It's just not going to work. They're going Powerball. To have, they're, they're going, going to, have, to need to hit the Yeah, Powerball. maybe Powerball, assuming they have the, the money to, to buy a ticket, <laughs> and then assuming they have the, uh, the odds with them uh, to win. So, uh, you know, the experience of the advisor, what is their process? What is their planning process? What's the time frame? How often will they sit down and, and answer questions? Uh, review the plan. These are all things you need to have a good understanding of before you initiate that relationship. Because remember, it's about you. It's your money. It's your life. It's your future. Make sure that you understand what uh, they're going to be doing to help you in that process. Don't be afraid to ask those questions uh, as far as experience, credentials, various uh, items like that. Because, again, this is a relationship. You need to make sure that you're comfortable. You don't want to leave anything unaddressed, not addressed, uh, unanswered. So if you have a question, don't be afraid to ask it. The advisor hopefully will be saying throughout your initial meeting, do you have any questions for me? That way you can get everything addressed and, and feel comfortable. One of the very reasonable question is how many clients do you have? Um, do you have 50? Do you have 100? If you're working with a practice, each advisor in that practice, what is the typical client load? If the advisor has 200 clients, you can just do the math and realize that's a lot of clients if they don't have any assistance or anyone else working with them to help service, that maybe you want to find an advisor with a lower load. That way you can get the attention that you need and, and not feel harried. I think we've all been to the doctors where they have way too many clients and you're in and out before you had a chance to ask any questions. Don't let that be the case with working with a financial advisor. You have to be comfortable. You know, number of clients is one gauge. Another one is average account size. Advisors tend to work in specific uh, net worth regions. If you have someone who is only working with clients that have a million dollars or more, and you don't have a million dollars, he's probably not the advisor for you. So find out what their average account size is, what type of client they're working uh, for, and the process, again, going back to process, uh, that they go through in terms of planning for uh, the specific future. John, what about some of the software and models should we talk about? When working with a planner, you're go they're going to run your, your data through some sort of retirement plan. Most plans start with the what I call the average return. So a typical 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio has an 8% return. Each year you earn 8%. Unfortunately, the stock market investing and planning for retirement does not work that way. We have the ups and downs uh, that come with the stock market and the bond market. So we have what's called variability of returns. If the advisor that you're working with only does the initial analysis using that average return, you may want to suggest that they find some more robust software or you find another advisor that is running a couple different types of analyses on your plan. The average return, I mean, by definition of average, half the returns are above, half the returns are below. And the probability is 50%. So you're basing your success of your retirement plan on a coin toss. I'm not comfortable with that. And you shouldn't be either. The couple different ways that we can test, I'll talk about back testing. We know what stocks, bonds, and cash have done since 1926. We know uh, the variability of those returns over the years. 
So let's say you're sitting down and you and your significant other have 40 years of joint life expectancy. We can run the plan from 1926 through 1966. Did your plan work during that time period based on all the variabilities and so forth that happen with the stock market and um, with inflation and just general economic conditions over that time frame? If it worked during that period, okay, let's roll forward three years. Did your plan work from 1929 to 1969? And we keep running those scenarios until we run out of years on the back end, and we may end up with 15, 20 time periods that we're looking at. And as long as your plan met the goals that you had set out at an 80% probability, that's reasonable. That means we have a good plan in place, and then we can move on to the next way to test this and please don't let the name scare you it's not gambling but we can run the monte carlo simulation monte carlo simulation came across that quite a few years ago and i think it was a, a, a an evolution in planning software that allows us to calculate the probability of success what it does is it looks at your portfolio, it takes time frames and runs literally thousands of what-if situations. What if you retired at the worst possible time in history? What if you retired at the best possible time in history, or more likely, somewhere between the two? If we can come up with running the numbers on that, an 85% probability of success or better, and you follow the five-step planning process, then... Odds are you're going to be fine in retirement. You know, and there are a lot of parameters that have to go into that. How long are you going to live? I always recommend my clients plan to at least age 90, uh, some of them age 100, depending on longevity factors. How much money are you going to be spending? You're going to spend money from the date of retirement. Uh, in the first 15 or 20 years of retirement, you're going to be traveling a lot. Well, you're going to have to spend more money. How's that going to affect your life? You have to look at long-term care. And the software we use allows us to do what-if scenarios, to sit down interactively with our client and say, well, what if John went to the nursing home at age 80 and he was in there for four years and the average cost is $60,000? How does that affect the plan? So it's something, there are a lot of, of uh, avenues within the proper software and models that we can run to project what-if. We're never going to be 100% accurate because we don't know what the future holds for us or for you but we do our best to come up with a probability of success that is reasonable. So do a quick recap. We have gut check, some of the tools that you can use when evaluating your advisor. Obviously, gut check, instinct, uh, that's a very good one. The experience of the advisor, the number of clients, their client load, average account size, what are the tools that they're going to use. Another one that we haven't mentioned is the output the information that they provide you. Will they be giving you options to consider or are they just gonna sit down and say you need to do A, B, and C? As an advisor, as a consumer, I like options. I like when a plumber comes over to fix something, they're gonna say, you know what, we can do this, we can do this, and we can do this, and here's how much each one's cost, here's the pros and cons, what are you comfortable with? At the end of the day, this is your retirement plan, this is your money, it's ultimately your decision and you need to make sure that you have all the tools and resources to make the right decision and you're comfortable with it. We hope this has kind of helped uh, you in the planning process. The most important thing you can gather out of this is please, if you don't have a trusted advisor, talk to your family, talk to your friends, talk to whoever you may uh, feel comfortable with financially, and 
meet with an advisor. There should be no charge for the initial consultation. Uh, if there is a charge, then I'd probably keep looking. Uh, and if you're comfortable with them, have them lay out the process, how they get paid, what the costs are going to be involved, and the expectations that uh, they may have over that period of time. You can view the initial consultation as a taking a car on a test drive. You want a little more than just kicking the tires. You want to see how it runs. The initial consultation, and many advisors will actually put a a, brief, a, a plan together for you. It may not be as robust as if you're working with them, but they will put an initial plan together for you and provide you with some choices. That's a good sign. That's a good start that you're working with someone who does have your best interest in mind and is going to help you be successful at your retirement plan. If you're looking for a way to do a background check, per se, on a, uh, a given advisor that you're talking to, one website that you can use is uh, the FINRA.org www.finra.org. That is the final financial industry regulator regulatory authority. And another one is the SEC, www.sec.gov. That's with the Security Exchange Commission. And there are two sites that keep track of uh, broker-dealers. You can see if they have any infractions, uh, if they've been criminal, hopefully not. Uh, but there's a there's a couple good ones there. Larry, do you have anything else you can think of? Well, you may have heard already on the air, uh, that, uh, the state of Illinois, I know, has put it out there that before you work with anybody, go to BrokerCheck. Just put in uh, in your Google or your application, do a search for BrokerCheck. It is a FINRA site, and it will allow you to pull up that advisor. It will tell you how long he's been in the industry, what licenses they have, if there are any uh, uh, complaints against them, and good general information as a, uh, a starting point. I think you know, need to know who you're working with because this is, again, your money, your future, and you want to make sure it's as solid as it could possibly be. We're to the Q&A session. Uh, John, what's our first question? Well, before we jump on that, what do you think of the coffee so far? I like the coffee so far. The Chef's Blend from Chef Shop is an exceptional coffee in my mind. I'm not a hazelnut guy. I'll give my opinion at the end of the show, but I'd have to say even though there's hazelnut in this, I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, let's see, Kevin S. How do financial planners get paid? That's okay. a great question. Uh, let me take that one. Okay. Uh, there are several ways, and you should inquire as to how your advisor you're contemplating working with is paid. They may be paid commission. Uh, we don't have time on a 30-minute show to go in all of the different options for commission payment, but typically if you are not a, a, a institutional investor, you're going to be into a, what's called a retail share class. Retail share classes have breakpoints. The more you invest, the lower cost commission is, but it starts at 5.75% typically on Class A shares. You pay that up front, and there's one quarter of 1% trail, which is a servicing fee on your account. That's typically on the retail side. If you're working with an investment advisor, then they are paid either by check from you or by, by a fee assessed against the account that you're working with. So it's important to understand exactly how your advisor is getting paid and what they're getting paid because you have a right to know uh, what the fee is that, uh, that they are taking to help you invest your money. I agree. Uh, we don't want to let the, the fee tail wag the investment dog per se, but we want to make sure that we have a full understanding of how much you are paying in fees because at the end of the day, that is going to have an impact on your return 
and you always want to try and control what you can. Fees is certainly one of them. We don't have control necessarily on what the markets do, but we do have control with fees. Uh, John Bogle created a company called Vanguard, uh, specifically tailored to low fees. I'm going to take this one since it's the fiduciary standard question, but Chris asks, what is meant by fiduciary standard and does my advisor have it? Okay, the fiduciary standard, that gets back to our discussion when we were talking about suitability and best interest. Brokers are held to what's called suitability and registered investment advisors are held to best interest. There is a significant difference. The Department of Labor in early April this year came out with a new rule. So qualified accounts, IRAs, SEPs, uh, accounts like that, everyone, broker, registered investment advisor, will be held to a fiduciary standard or what is in your best interest. There is a form that you can get from Dalbar, www.dalbar.com, and you can print off the form and it will hand it to your advisor and it will force them to tell you whether or not they are being held to a fiduciary standard or they are operating in your best interest. But just know typically your broker is not, they're held to suitability. Unless it's an IRA, then they will be held to the fiduciary standard or best interest. A registered investment advisor is held to best interest. I guess, John, my question has always been, being in this industry, why would you not treat every client and act in their best interest? It's a good question. That's a very good question. I mean, if you think about it, name an industry where you go in and you tell your doctor, you tell your carpenter, your contractor, just do what's suitable. Uh, you don't have to do what's in my best interest. It just doesn't exist, but in the financial industry, it does. When you're held to the suitability standard, it's easier for the organization to defend their position. So a brokerage firm is easier for the defend and be held to a suitability standard if one of their representatives does something that is not um, suitable or is, is not really a, a good piece of financial planning for you. When you're held to the best interest, that's a much tougher defense position to have to hold if something does go wrong. And the brokerage firms, they have very strong lobbyists. They fought very hard against the fiduciary rule. I think over time, we will see all accounts be held to the fiduciary standard or what's in the best interest. But right now, as long as the lobbyists keep plugging away, they're going to keep fighting it back. And that kind of gives you the information you need to know. It comes down to, you know, I always do you know, tongue in cheek. If uh, I can defend it in a court of law, it's suitable. That's different than what's in the client's best interest. Yeah, I agree. I, I just have a hard time understanding why advisors would uh, hold themselves out to a suitability standard and not only act in the best interest of the client. I think it's, it's more from the top down, um, in my opinion, where the organization doesn't want them to be fiduciaries because you know, they're the ones that are going to be ultimately sued. And that may not necessarily be the broker themselves. It's going to be the organization, a top-down type decision. Good point. Let's do a recap. So for this show, what we've talked about so far is everyone should have a trusted advisor, a financial advisor, financial planner of some type to uh, help you reach your, your goals, your retirement goals, whether it's college funding, whether it's buying a house, buying a car. All of those are financial goals, and they all should be part of an overall plan. 
Uh, you have a significantly better outcome if you're working with someone than if you are not. Uh, as part of the planning process, you have to be comfortable with them. You know, do your gut check. Uh, make sure you understand who they are, how long they've been in the business, who they work with, their average size client, how many clients they have, what you can expect in terms of, of outcomes uh, for your account. Uh, we know for a fact that the market is going to be down probably uh, three out of ten years. So uh, the difference is I can't tell you which three. But <laughs> not every year is it going to be up. Would well, you tell me? Well, maybe later. You know, uh, off a year. But it's, it's a matter of it's not going to be a good year every year, so you have to have a long-term plan in terms of, of reaching uh, those objectives and goals. We're just about to coffee time, John. Any other comments you'd like to put in? As I mentioned earlier, I am not a hazelnut fan per se. This coffee does have hazelnut in it. Uh, Larry will give you a description in a little bit more detail. But even with the hazelnut, it's blended with something else that has made it uh, very good. Uh, I would actually consider buying this and, and drinking it on my own. Even though I'm not a hazelnut fan, they did a very good job putting it together. So I give a thumbs up. Well, if you've ever been to our office, we have uh, three coffee pots in the kitchen. Not that we like <laughs> coffee or anything, but uh, they do get used quite regularly. And we met with Scott over at the uh, chef shop the other day, and, and he introduced us to uh, this particular chef's shop blend. Say that fast five they times. They have it. I'm not going to try. They have it in regular and decaf. They actually take three components uh, from three different coffee houses that, that they blend on site. It's a Kenya coffee bean that they bring in as a base. It has a very intense, uh, snappy flavor, medium body, combination of hardiness and whiny acidity. I never heard that before. Uh, they also add two other beans, a hint of vanilla and hazelnut. Uh, definitely gets a thumbs up from me. I would uh, be happy to have this in the morning or in the afternoon. So thanks, Scott. Good choice. Uh, we love the coffee. And we uh, will be anticipating trying a few more on future shows. What is, what is their contact information? Their contact information is Chef Shop Gourmet Kitchen Store. They're located at 2320 Troy Road, Edwardsville, Illinois, 62025. They're in a Schnooks Plaza right next to Target. Phone number is 618-659-9840. 618-659-9840. Stop by. You'll be impressed. I know we are. Yeah, actually, my daughter and I are going to be going up there this, this weekend. They're having a big sidewalk sale, and she's into baking, so we're going to grab some cupcake baking essentials that uh, we need, and we're going to try and uh, get some cupcakes together, see if we can meet the standard of the cupcake wars. What are your plans this weekend? <laughs> Good luck with that one, John. Well, <laughs> sounds a little rainy, but uh, we're going to try and get outside and enjoy the weather. The, we hope you've enjoyed our inaugural show of the Financial Cafe. We'll be here every Saturday, 9 a.m. on 88.7 WSIE. Again, our show today has been underwritten by The Chef Shop, your hometown kitchen accessory store where a good cup of coffee starts every day outright. Securities are offered through Nickel Investors Corp., number one, Executive Park, Granite City, Illinois, member FINRA and SIPC. We invite our listeners to send us your questions regarding retirement, investments, or any other financial topic that piques your interest. Send them to John at jgraney, J-G-R-A-N-E-Y, at nickel, N-I-C-O-L, financial.com. We'll discuss them each week, and we'd love to hear from you uh, with comments, pro or con, and any specific experiences that you've had uh, in your past 
with a financial advisor or in your own success uh, over time. So, What's our topic for next week? Our topic next week coming up is I've terminated employment. What do I do with my 401k plan for my old company? Mm. Should be interesting. Applies to a lot of people. Have a great day. <laughs>